did we want to coordinate like what system we buy Space Marine Two on? Oh since yeah, it does that would have be cool. co-op. Uh, let's see. I have a PS Five. I know. I have a PS Five. I have a PS Five. I also have a PS Five. I think that, that solves our problem. Then. <laughs> I, 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 With I coordination think that's complete. Probably, yeah. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's finally rolling some dice. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, uh, we are all here again, and in a strange twist, something that has rarely happened in recent Preferred Enemies history, all four of us have played games of the new edition. (sighs) (laughs) It's usually my fault. <laughs> I don't know. Kevin didn't do much last edition either. That's true. I yeah, life was busy. <laughs> Why? I mean, basically, twenty 2020 twenty through twenty twenty two was like the gas leak year of con- of community. We just <laughs> weird things happen, and we don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but we're all back now. We are all back. And so, yes, uh, 10th edition is out, and we have all played at least one game. Several, Some of us have played many games of uh, of 10th edition. Some of us are going to be playing many more next week. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I'm getting ready to play in my first three-day tournament. That's, that's going to be a lot. Eight games of 40K. Yeah. Pray for Mojo. I will for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to talk today about the games we've played and kind of our takeaways from actually getting some 10th edition under our belts. Uh, and I, I do want to lead in, though, with uh, normally, you know, I know we've talked about the show format changing and news and new releases not really being a major segment. But I do want I think there is one that is important to talk about, and that is the fact that like a week and a half into the game being out, at, you know, on shelves, we have our first balance update. Yeah, yeah, which this seems like it's going to be a a constant in my mind of probably after each new index or not in each new codex group comes out, they'll probably do a tweaking a week or two after. I mean, I think Votan set that precedent about a year ago and. I think they're just going to keep doing it. Well, I think it's very interesting, and obviously we'll get into this, but rather than, like, one of one of the issues with the Voton updates, FAQs, was that, like, the book came out, and then they immediately changed the way rules worked, so, like, your codex was kind of invalid and didn't have the right stuff in it. In this case, they're doing digital distribution of all of these rules, so they could have replaced, like, changed the wording of, like, Strands of Fate or the Towering Rule and just republished the PDFs. And instead, they're like, now nah, we'll just do points updates. I don't know, it's kind of weird. They did change Strands of Fate slightly. I guess they, they did. did. I guess they did slightly change that. But I, I thought it was very weird that, like, yeah, rather than, like, changing the core rule and republishing everything, let's just shift, shift points. Well, I'm like, hmm. Also, if 
in the latest meta watch that they put out, they said they're changing their philosophy of they're going to lean more into points changes because that's easier for them to do on the fly and have sure. that be like the quarterly thing. And the, the semi-annual was where they'd go to the here, we're changing the rules for these things because they said that's a lot more disruptive to the environment rather than just yeah. limiting the number of things you can take by raising or lowering points. It's fair. That's That's fair. And I understand that, but it is a little bit, it's interesting because like limiting themselves to just point changes because they've already limited like unit composition and some of these other things. So it's like, it feels like you're going to want, you're going to wind up having weird things. Like for example, uh, the Lord of Skulls for world eaters costs 520 points. But if you take it in chaos space Marines, it's like 480 back to the land raider thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like you're going to wind up with these weird cases where stuff is priced differently and then you're just kind of limiting all the stuff we talked about leading up to 10th edition of like expanding the design space, giving you more options. This feels kind of like going the opposite way of like, well, we're just sticking to point changes. And I kind of get it because they just publish data cards that are going to be, you know, they want them to be active for the life of the edition, etc. But I don't know, it just feels weird to it feels different compared to like what they did in ninth edition with the Votan stuff where they had no problem going. Yeah. We're just going to change all these rules out of a codex. We just printed. I don't know. It just feels weird. Uh, I, I appreciate them liking my index cards last a while. Yeah. I, the, I, the world leaders index cards are already wrong actually, because uh, the terminators have ballistic, have weapon skill four and uh, three instead of four. So mine are already, is that invalid. one they issued an errata four? It is. It was just a misprint. You know, it, it's all it was. It, they, they were like, yep, yeah, it was never supposed to be four. It was supposed to be three. But my cards say th- four, so I have to remember that. So mine are already mine are already out of print. They're out of date. I mean, I mean, pretty much like most of most of the factions have something wrong with them. Like ca- the cultist mob in Chaos Space Marines forgot their close combat weapon profile on their cards on the print cards. <sighs> they don't need that. Or the Chaos Terminator squad has the wrong invulnerable save. What, do they get a two up? Uh, no, they're a four up. I think they were a five up on. The, I haven't seen the yeah. physical cards. I, the, the digital version that they released is accurate. These are the fixes to the to the physical cards. I th- fortunately most of my most of my armies like dodge too many. Like Tau have no errata. See, we're perfect right out the gate. We're fine, <laughs> but. Uh, Right. Well, at least yeah, like, you guys got the right cards. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, Richard, what is the difference really between Cranites and Thousand Suns? I, I mean, they're all just psychic space marine armies, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> bluish silver, blue. You know, it, same same diff. Yeah, is this GW telling you you need to be our, our Thousand Suns player? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got I I ordered uh, you know four five sets of cards, and, and I got them on on Thursday and opened them up, and they were all there except for Grey Knights. They they sent me Thousand Suns instead. So I've got an email into customer service, uh, but it you know weekend being what it is, I haven't heard back yet. So yeah, I I imagine they'll be pretty pretty quick to fix that gw customer service has always been very solid yep yeah for sure and and most likely you'll get to 
to keep the Thousand Suns cards, I don't think they generally make you send anything back. So, hey, yeah. They, yeah, I think Kevin's right. They're telling you that you need to be the Thousand Suns, <laughs> d- Suns guy. And you know what? The- that was a good point that I made. <laughs> in Dennis's voice. <laughs> I thought, okay, I thought you. Sorry, no, I thought no, you. I, I thought you said it, Kevin. I'm like, no. I, no. <laughs> Learn to throw your voice for your friends, fun of parties. <laughs> uh, so, Kevin, we definitely have to team up since since we're so similar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, start painting your voton. See, no. Kevin, that's how that's how I actually start listening to you as I hallucinate that you're actually Dennis, and that's it's fine. That's fair. That's fair. That totally makes sense, actually. I get that. <laughs> but yeah, that change to Eldari of making uh, strands of fate once per phase, rather than just unlimited, I can burn all my fate dice at once if I want. Um, that's a good change. Uh, and I'm yeah. going to, I'll elucidate more upon that when I talk about my games played. Well, I, I will too, but as one who's played both ways now, um, yeah, when I could just, here's my hit, here's my wound, here's my damage using three fate dice, it felt awesome, but it also felt kind of cheap. And so mm-hmm. it, it definitely feels more balanced when I have to kind of, strate- do I need this now or I, will I need it for a different save later in the phase? Oh, do I need this one to hit because I only get one face dice? Do I save it for the damage or the wound roll or do I use it on the hit? Is hit or wound more important? So it's kind of made it a little more strategic. And also they last a lot longer now as opposed to mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of out after like three turns. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it just makes it feel more like other resources in the game because command points are things that are spread out, you know, stratagems, psychic powers. Like you can't just alpha strike with a lot of those either miracle dice yeah so like it makes them function like other other things within the game so i yeah i think it's a good change yeah now i do think it is interesting that their their fix for uh and i say fix with finger quotes for towering and indirect fire was to basically increase point values on Pretty much anything that had those keywords, with a few notable exceptions. Like, for example, Death Guard do not pay more for a Plague Burst Crawler. They specifically left those untouched and even called that out in the article. Because that was a concern that, like, well, hey, if all indirect is getting raised and Death Guard really need that Plague Burst Crawler to be even remotely viable right now. <laughs> um, yeah, they didn't touch the co- the cost on it. Also... Yeah, we mentioned last episode the Death Guard only come in units of five or ten, but you buy them in a box of seven. They did put a seven model option into the points now, so you can actually play them as they as they show up in the box, which is is nice of them. Yes, but no, no eight man units for for corn. Huh. Nope, nope. <laughs> but they don't sell them in eights. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we, you know, talking about using points as as their their core way of editing. The, the efficiency of you because that's really what a lot of this comes down to is like mm-hmm. obviously they want towering to work the way they want it to work they want indirect to work the way they want it to work or you know the way it currently is working but by making those units less efficient so that you have to trade off more things to get them and also i think that's where the change in how points are done makes a big difference. So, for example, a Desolation Squad for Space Marines, which has been, uh, like, uh, was it Auspex? Uh, I can't remember the full name of his channel. It's, uh, 
Aspects Tactics. Aspects Tactics, that's right. Uh, he did like a tier rating of space marine units you know doing the standard tier chart of like f rank up through s rank and then he had desolation rank as a separate rank because they're just they were just so overpowered they cost 50 points more for five and like a 100 points more for for 10 and that a that's a big chunk you know you you take a because i was playing against a list that had two squads of 10 Oh um, my. So, obvi- so obviously that's going to be a huge <clears throat> chunk of their army, but also with the fact that points are not per model, but are per block of models, you don't have fine levers where it's like, well, I can just pull like one or two models out of this squad and one or two models out of this squad and I can still have my desolation squad. It's like, no, I'm going to have to give up something else now to fit yeah, that, that in. Two things on that one. One. Yes, in like my game yesterday, I had a desolation squad at the higher point value. It easily earned its points back because it was just, I'll oath of moment something. That squad's just off the board. I'll oath of moment right. something. That's, I mean, actually, I, one of the times I didn't because I split fire and we, we, we never split fire, guys. Remember that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, know, I totally forgot what the other half of that point was. So go on, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, was the other half that you did have to? Did you have to give up something else to put those? Oh in? yeah, that yes, that was the thing. Is when you with the way the points are, you have just such big gaps. And I I fixed that by I I did have to totally drop a squad and then add. I was able to add in a tiny character to kind of fill in the void. Actually, no, I added an enhancement. But yeah. It, it gets to the fact of, yes, because 50 points is like half of a squad of something mm-hmm. else. So I was going to have um, intercessors in the list as well, but they were the casualty because I couldn't put them in there because I wanted the Desolation Squad. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a little more unit moving around, kind of like knights and custodes already have to do because their their units are so expensive um you don't have you'll have to like if i want this unit well which units do i have to drop and then what other units can i put in the place to kind of fill that smaller point gap i've got Mm -hmm. also pour one out for the town r which went up like i think 110 105 points yeah, that's that's probably fair. It <laughs> yeah, 680, 680 or 685 was like way too low. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've seen people playing them and you know they they get work done, but I can imagine. They, yeah. But that was at the lower point level and I think you know that you're giving up a lot now to fit that in. In an addition where you like the town R can't hold that many objectives. <laughs> so right. I I do I do love the, uh, you know, and granted, like, we've talked about this before, that, like, World Eaters players on the internet are, like, upset because of a cascading variety of factors and units that they've lost. But the amount this week, it was great because people were like, ooh, I bought two more Lords of Skulls, and then they changed the point cost. Why would GW do this to me? And I'm like, well, clearly it was – you were the problem if you were taking – trying to take three Lords of Skulls at the point level that it was. Like – yeah, you're just going to accelerate the trend of hey, we need to rebalance this because it's clearly not working right. I don't, I don't right. have a lot of sympathy for people who are like, well, I just bought this thing to meta chase, and now it doesn't, it isn't as viable. I don't know, yeah, man. Yeah. Sorry, like play no, the game seriously. For it's like reasons. <laughs> don't don't buy 
the you know don't buy stuff in the first like month yeah. of an edition <laughs> like yeah. seriously yeah. like play the exactly. armies you already have yeah and I, I i don't know i think this hobby is too expensive to meta chase <laughs> I, I, agree. I don't disagree i agree with that yeah <laughs> and the fact i only have the desolation squads is because they were in the agastus box <laughs> Right, <laughs> and and I'll be sending another squad to you soon. No, I have an Agassiz box. Screw you, that's mine. I'm sending you the part from the uh, from the uh, Wrath of the Forge God. That's Wrath of the Forge God. That's the stuff I'm sending you. So you'll have Azrael and more Deathwing. Now, screw yes. you on that. I, I'm if nothing else, I'm going to sit on that squad of Desolation Rings just to keep them out of out of circulation. <laughs> and you guys or were making fun s- of them last edition. <laughs> <laughs> they well last edition they were well mostly we're making fun of the aesthetics and yes, let's face it they <laughs> still look like garbage no they were they, they, they were, were actually pretty me. good at, they were actually pretty good at the end of last edition like they, yeah, they, they did were, have they weren't bad but, yeah but they yeah. were they were ugly and it's like mm. I, this still has strong vibes of gw made them powerful to make them you know desirable Right, and so it's like whether that or that is the case or not. I, I do. Th- I still think they're a bit overpushed, even at their higher point level. But that maybe brings them down to just merely S rank rather than their own super rank. Um, also, like Imperial Knights and Chaos Knights getting hit with you know because everything tower almost everything towering went up. Uh, the only things that didn't were the Rampager for Chaos Knights and the Gallant for Imperial Knights because they're melee only and towering doesn't really matter for them. Right. And I, I will say when I was like building lists, I had to go back after all these point changes and rebalance all of those lists. And the casualty on those is I wanted to keep the larger knights. So it was the war dogs and armagers that actually, I think I had to drop one from each list to cover the points for having three giant knights in each list. Right. Cause so like it hurt, but not really. If that makes any sense. I mean, the one thing we might see is we might see more armagers come out of this. People might drop some of the bigger knights to get more armagers, which I, I don't know. I'd be happy and sad about because I did get a little tired of all armagers armies because those are a lot. I, bigger knights are I enjoy dealing with more than the, all the armagers. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, all the Imperial Knights went up 60, 70 points a model. So, I mean, it, Wraith, Wraith that, Knights took the worst hit. <laughs> as they should. Again, I'll talk about no, my games played. I disagree with that. I would agree with that if they actually gave Wraith Knights different profiles, like regular Knights. But if I want to run a Sword and Board Knight, that's like 500 points. And as you said, the melee Imperial Knights did not get hit. So it's like, grr, why can't we have a melee Knight and a shooting Knight profile for Wraith Knights GW? I mean, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, maybe when your stuff stops being broken, we can address this. But <laughs> I, and it, it is weird that like you do have those cases where you know, you know knights have their classes, wraith knights don't, and then and then the weirdness of the shadow specter exarch being being an upgrade is also bizarre. Yeah. And all he is is an extra body, really. Right. But yeah, I think uh, I'm curious to see if this, how this is going to affect the overall balance. I still think Eldari is going to be very strong. Oh, they were strong from the get go. So this just brings them a little closer down to the pack. 
Yeah, I don't know if this pulls anybody up, but again, it's it's easier to pull down the higher units before you the higher armies before you start trying to buff up the lower ones. And Agreed. we're only going to get those army those yeah, those balanced data slates every like what, twice a year? Like not even yep. quarterly. I think they said they're going to do them, you know, every 6 months kind of when a season hey. switches over. And I am fine with that. That's because that was one of the things I noticed, like, the end of ninth was, like, trying to keep track of, okay, so I've got my codex rules and then the errata and then possibly a balanced data slate. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm i curious to see how this is how this is going to play out. Because, obviously, you know, with me going to Show Me Showdown this next weekend, uh, we'll have a lot of data collected to see how this, <laughs> uh, how this adjusts things. I still think, like, Eldari and Space Marines are still going to probably be in the top brackets. Um, yes, Knights so, will still be your gatekeepers with maybe still being hit, touching that top level as well. All right, so uh, whose games do we want to talk about first? Don't know. We didn't talk about who we're talking um, about. I don't know. Oh. Does it? I I can certainly start with mine because uh, yeah, you want to start with your escalation league because I mean we've been yeah. getting a little bit into it with uh, like yeah. how many units or or that you did or didn't have available. <laughs> Right. So, uh, local game store, Athoria Games, uh, here in Tempe has started an uh, eight week escalation league. First two weeks are 500 points. Then we're going to bump it up to a thousand. Then, uh, for two weeks, then 1500 for two weeks and then 2000 for the last two. And first several weeks, it's just kind of random pairings. And then eventually we'll kind of pair off against people that are scoring similar and kind of, you know, bracket it. And there's surprise for whoever finishes first. I'm already not going to finish first because I've scored the minimum points in the first two games, and I'm going to be missing at least one week for Gen Con. So I'm like, I'm going to probably finish the very bottom. Took my World Eaters. So, you know, at 500 points, uh, I took two different lists. The first week I took Karn, a unit, a five-man unit of Berserkers, and a Rhino, a Rhino in Terminators against uh, Necrons. And then the second week I took... Lord on Juggernaut, a unit of eight pound and the unit of Terminators against um, Black Templars. Uh, both games were fun. The games have been great. It's been great to meet up with people like that. Everyone's still learning the edition, you know, so the games are taking a little bit longer, but, you know, we're still learning how to, like, set the tables up and, you know, draw the mission decks, how the secondaries work. Nobody's super familiar with all of it, but the games have been fun. They're very low key. You know, just just kind of having uh, having fun. Uh, first game, I went first. Ran, you know, berserkers forward to take an objective. They stepped out of the rhino and then got shot off the table by Necron Gauss Blasters. Um, <laughs> Ouch! And then you know, and I was like, oh, so this edition is just as lethal as last edition, which I kind of knew. And then the Terminators came in and just started wrecking shop. So so far in the two games, Terminators have been getting work done. They're very good, uh, especially with world leaders, because the the limited mobility is fairly easy to overcome because there's uh, the plus two movement blessing is one that you'll basically get every time if you want to take it. And then um, like advance and charge is one that's fairly easy to get as well. So, you know, you, you do have the ability to kind of trek across the table with them. Um, and it's nice to have guns because they're probably <laughs> the best shooting unit in the in the army. Uh, or at least one of the best because they c- can take special weapons. But yeah, like both games have been fun. I ended up losing both games because the uh, 
the one thing I've realized, especially at 500 points, is balance is kind of weird, and you, it's hard to take multiple units with an elite, elite-ish army. So, like I said, I had basically two units on the table in both games. Um, so it's very easy, like when you're facing Oath of Moment, for your opponent to be like, that unit, we're going to kill that unit. Okay, they're dead, now we're going to kill that unit. Um, and then also, if you can't make Hurricane Bolter saves the Terminators, uh, games don't, don't go well for you. Not so much, no. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so far it's been fun. Uh, we're going to play a thousand points this week. So, uh, you know, I'll get to bring more, more stuff, have more units on the table. But, uh, yeah, they've b- both been good games. Uh, some of the other people that are playing, you know, in the league, we've seen a couple of things. Like there was one, uh, the table that was next to us had a Death Corps field marshal that like went toe to toe with a Redemptor dreadnought and lived, which was kind of <laughs> funny. And then uh, in one of the other games, I've seen a guy that that's playing Imperial Knights. So his 500-point list is, I brought a Knight Paladin, and he has won both his games so far because he's just <laughs> shooting. He's just able to alpha strike the other army off the table. Because at 500 points, right. uh, they're, Knights are really good right now in this meta. And at 500 points, they're unbelievably powerful. Like, if I had to face him at 500 points, I have maybe two models in the army that can actually deal like consistent damage against a knight. So yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, but it's been fun so far. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, when we get to, uh, you know, a thousand points, what else I can bring, what else I can kind of include. Um, and you know, it's been fun going forward. It's been nice to be able to kind of slow build and paint some things. Cause the, uh, Karn, Berserkers, Rhino, all that stuff was already painted. So I've been working on painting up my five-man Terminator squad. So it's kind of nice to to be able to pick a unit and go, like, okay, I'm going to add this unit and I'll paint it over the next two weeks and get it ready and then, you know, add in other stuff. So uh, would you say yeah. that Games Workshop is absolutely correct or not that uh, the game is not balanced for 500 points? I would definitely say it's not balanced for 500 points because, yeah, we things like Imperial Knights, big vehicles. In in my first game, the thing that kind of blew me away the most was like, A, Terminators are really good. Uh, I deep struck them in behind, uh, you know, behind his lines and with the heavy flamer and just power fist was able to like just wipe through two separate squads of Necrons. But uh, vehicles are very powerful, especially at 500 points. My Rhino... Like, took two wounds yep. the entire game, I the think. Like, just, it was really tough. And I'm like, wow, I'm interested to see what a vehicle that's actually good plays at this in this <laughs> game. Because um, rhinos are, you know, rhinos are just, you know, junk transports. And, like, yeah, it was very tough. It was very hard. Like, focus, you know, if you don't focus fire on it and hit it with, like, anti-vehicle stuff, it's, you, you can't just plink it away. Um, the Storm Raven was very powerful just from the amount of shots it's able to put out at that, at this level. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely not balanced. I think, I think from the perspective of if you we were, if we were focused like explicitly on like game balance, um, it probably would have been better to be like, okay, we're going to start with combat patrols and then we'll add to it. And we'll bump the point levels up, you know, two, two weeks of combat patrol and then, you know, change it to other, but, I don't think that's the goal of what they're trying to do with this Escalation League. It's very much trying to get people to play the game and get familiar with the rules. And I think that's been the part that's taken the most time in all of the games that we've played so far is 
okay, let's go over the mission setup. Let's go over, you know, how we set objectives up. Let's go over the secondaries. Uh, remember your faction ability. Cause I think I played my first game. It was halfway through the game before I forgot. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I get blessings of corn. I should probably roll those. Uh, because that kind of is an important thing in how my army functions. You know, the extra bit, abilities. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the guy that was sitting next to me, uh, playing against, uh, Death, Death Guard, uh, Death Corps, uh, with the Space Marines. I think, yeah, it was the same thing. He was like, turn three and he's like, oh yeah, I forgot I have Oath of Moment. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of important. <laughs> you need to make sure you're using that. So, you know, it's, I like it because it's nice, you know, it's nice and low key and like people can just show up, play, you know, and, um, and learn. Um, but also like there's some people that, you know, that have, and like, so the guy that brought the Storm Raven was like, I haven't used my Storm Raven in a while. I wanted to bring it because I know vehicles are good. And then we started looking at the profile and he's like, oh my God, this is overpowered with all the shooting it has. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, it wasn't him like power gaming to try to win a game at that level. It was just, I brought this and it's really good. So yeah, the game is definitely not balanced for 500 points, but I hope as we get further along, it'll, it'll even out. Kevin, I'll toss out two things on this one. Rhinos can take the hunter-killer missile, so there's some vehicle killing. And another thing I'll, I'll say, it's not related to the Rhino, but kind of. But yeah, Rhino are, has firing those deck my, Those two. are my games so far. And firing deck two, you can just put a squad of guns in a transport that has firing deck, and suddenly it's a mobile death platform. So I, that would be something else to look into. Well, also, his rhino, if he's, his rhino doesn't have a hunter killer missile. Oh, it doesn't? Oh, never mind. And only, that's, a, only Imperials have hunter killer missiles. Okay. My bad. Also, the World Eater's rhino doesn't have firing deck either. Really? How does, oh, well, wow. Well, who's going to fire out of it? They don't have a, anybody oh, okay. that has, has anything okay. other than like bolt pistols. You're, you're right. I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> So the good thing I'll say about the, the the Storm Raven is he was hovering because he was trying to shoot all of his weapons and effectively. So I was able to run up to it and hit it several times with power fists and chain fists. But I think it was three rounds of combat. I still didn't kill it like with a chain fist and power fist and stuff like that. It was like I took it down to like two or three wounds left. But yeah, it's vehicles are tough this edition. Yeah. The other thing I'll toss out, Kevin, is I agree with you that I don't think this is made for 500 points, but I think Combat Patrol is, because uh, I did, and I'll sw- segue into this, Rob, th- I actually went to a Combat Patrol tournament last weekend, or I guess two weekends ago, and, well, first off, I had to scramble because uh, I didn't know what Combat Patrols I actually own, since I don't have Combat Patrol boxes, so I went with Eldari, and... The first thing that I noticed is having a fixed list, you are very, very limited in in what you can take. So I do think GW tried to balance these things. And also, if you look, there are no Imperial Knights combat patrols. (laughs) So there were no knights. Yeah, there were no knights. It was uh, We had some Necrons. I was the only Eldari. We had a bunch of Tyranids because, well, the box just came out and combat patrols in that. Had a bunch of Space Marines. Um so we got to see the variety of things. And another thing you mentioned was like remembering your rules and stratagems. This kind of plays into that because even combat patrol has its own missions. So they're yep. different missions from the regular deck and they have their own secondaries 
which you get to pick from one of two secondaries. So it's kind of like having a fixed one, but they're faction specific to kind of get you how this faction is going to play. And then your stratagems, you don't have the regular stratagems. Your list, you will, you have the regular core ones. Core ones are still there, but instead of having six faction stratagems, you're reduced to three and they're slightly different because I guess they're balanced for this um, point level. And so in a way I could see how it would feel like a different game, but at the same time, it's the same core rules and it's just, everything is even streamlined more. Instead of six, you've got three. Instead of having a bunch of secondaries, you have one. So I feel it gives you an opportunity to learn the parts of the game that you normally forget before you start adding in all the extra complexity of here's more missions, here's more stratagems and, and things like yeah. that. So I really like the way they set up combat patrol. I know it's not going to be for everyone, but for a just getting into the game, I, I think it's really good because you can just buy it off the shelf and you're good to go. Or you might be more than good to go because um, they're going to do another one the first Saturday of next month and i, I want to go so i looked at what all i had and i'm like oh custodes i am interested in that i looked at what's in the combat patrol okay shield captain um two squads of sisters of silence a three jet bikes and four um guard oh this is easy i got all that and then i actually downloaded and looked at the actual rules for them because that's where your stratagems stratagems and secondaries are and that's where i found out that oh the shield captain and the two squads of sisters are there, but the jet bikes and the guard are an either or. So I'm like, oh, well, I only can take one of them. So I have to choose. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit, but I'm pretty sure that they did this for balancing reasons to make sure that each of the things plays well against all the others. Yeah. So. And then how my games worked there was I was playing Eldar. So this was my first time using fate dice and I started out against a Necron player and he, he, he had some problems. His dice weren't with him. And I took out all of his melee squads that were running at me early on. Um, and he was like, well, the game's over. My guys like they're, they're dead. But I was like, no, just, just like, this is still early. This is turn one. I mean, you, I mean, you ran things forward. I shot dead what was forward with all of my units. <laughs> um, also, we're learning, like I, I was kind of half mentioning the hunter killer missiles, which I would never take in a previous edition. Now I think we always take it because it doesn't cost any points. And it's strength 14, which is important in this edition. Um, his, no, no. Tomb King, not Tomb King. His the, whatever the Necron Lord is called. I'm failing at names the, right now. The Necron, they're just lords or Lord. lords. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whatever their lords called, you know the Lord. <laughs> yeah, the Lord. <laughs> well, the Lord has a also a one use ability, a Tachyon Ray, I think it was called. And so yep. he used that on the um, Wraith Lord because Eldar don't get a vehicle in their combat patrol, but they get a Wraith Lord, which has an 11 toughness which is just insane at this level um but yeah that took half the health off of the wraith lord just because it was that strong and in the end that's he was able to take out the wraith lord and end up winning the game as well but 
I think without that just one once per game big hit, I think the Wraith Lord would have survived and kind of taken down his stuff. But I will also say the thing you mentioned, Kevin, as soon as the warriors got off the point and started coming at me and shooting, oh my gosh, their shooting was strong. So yeah, I, I don't know why he was like, oh, this, I'm like, no, no, they have so many shots. They are, and their, their Gauss was just deadly. And yeah, um, he ended up tabling me, which was a stark contrast of how he felt when the game started. And I took off his, what he thought was his most powerful unit. Um, and then my next game was against, um, Space Marines. And I think this one was Blood Angels specifically. So this was the one that had the vehicle that had a firing deck. And so it was just going to be a mobile transport of doom because he, he had pretty much an entire squad and psychic abilities because they're attacks now that could just fire out of it. And so I once again used all my firepower on the first turn, took it out, uh, blew it up even. That made me happy. Um, nice. and that started the game on a good foot. Um, the bad foot was when the aggressors with flames came around the corner Ow. and Ow. yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I weakened them. The squad of three was a squad of two when they finally got to shoot me because of overwatch. Um, Asherman has the skill built in, but at combat patrol, it's a stratagem where um, if you're use a stratagem, you can fire overwatch on a five up or if you're on an objective marker, you fire it on a four up. And so my dire Avengers were on a point. Actually, no, it was guardian. Sorry. My guardians were on a point with the farseer and I was able to overwatch on a four up. And we actually took out one of the aggressors before they got to us. Uh, After they got to us, thankfully I I held my own in close combat for a couple rounds before we finally, the farseer finally fell. The squad fell pretty easily. Um, but no, it's, it's overwatch is still one of the strongest things to use and having a way to overwatch on a four up is amazing. Um, but yeah, past that, he didn't kill the wraith knight because the only not knight, the wraith lord, because the only thing he had that could really damage the wraith lord was that vehicle. Uh, cause once I get into combat with any of his guys, they just, Tough 11 was too tough for them to handle. And I have a sword. I was slashing through them. The, the only thing the Wraith Lord had against it was it's slow. I mean, it moves eight inches, but still when most of my other rest of my army is dead and I need to get to the other side of the board. Um, yeah, that wasn't happening. So in that one, I ended up losing on points, mostly just because um, he was able to control the middle of the board. But once again, it was it was a fun game, and I don't know. I think Combat Patrol is definitely a good introductory to the game before you start digging into all the regular missions and whatnot. And also, you don't have to have a mission deck to play Combat Patrol because the missions are fixed. You just have to download the stuff. Mm-hmm. So everything, in this case, buy a box of a Combat Patrol you want to play for a faction you're interested in. The rules are online. You can download the f- data cards plus stratagems and secondaries are online. And you're good to go. I, I'm really applauding how they've got that set up. And I'm actually looking forward to do more games. 
And I do want to, I know last episode, I think we brought up the fact that Combat Patrol, like, the data sheets and everything were out, but the missions still required the core book. They did finally fix that, like, the next yes. week and get yes. those out. So I'm glad that they followed through on making Combat Patrol a completely free way to play outside of having the models. Right. So, yeah, no, I do appreciate that that is all available. And, uh, yeah, I I like the idea of Combat Patrol. I am a bit frustrated because it is limited to specifically that box layout. I would love to see additional Combat Patrols for factions. Because, mm-hmm. like, cause I, like, I look at the Combat Patrols for armies that I have. Um, I cannot play the Death Guard one because I don't have the right Plague Marines and I don't have enough Poxwalkers because I have 20 and you need 30. <laughs> because there's 30 <laughs> in the Combat Patrol box. Um, I do have the Tau one. I have the Space Marine one because I have the Leviathan box. I have the Eldari mm-hmm. one. I just haven't built it yet. Um, I think I have, I have the Sisters one, although I, like, some of the models I would want to replace with the newer ones, which I have. I just need to finish building them. And see, that's where um, I'm with you with Sisters, Rob. I don't have the Sisters one because I only have, like, one or two of the models in that and because that's not the layout how I want to run Sisters. So it's like, right. I feel your pain there. It's like, yeah, I kind of wish I could do Sisters, but I don't want those models, so I guess I won't do Sisters. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I can't do the Chaos Space Marine one because I don't have the Hellbrute. I don't have the Dark – or I have a Hellbrute, but not equipped the way that one is. I don't have I'm a Dark sure people Apostle. people care. And I don't have the Havocs. With, so it's like, this is not ideal for me. But I have a couple of them that I can play. So I do, you know, it's like, I do like the format. I, w- I, I still kind of wish it wasn't quite as restrictive. I wish they did have more of like a 500-point format rather than fixed combat patrols. But fixed combat patrols are very easy for somebody to pick up and play. So That and also the way each combat patrol box is kind of set up. You've got your one big vehicle or dreadnought. You've got your HQ, your character, and then you've got one to two extra units there. And it's pretty much that formula for all of them. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a quick shout out to the uh, the new starter sets they announced. Um, specifically the very, like the introductory set. Now, like, again, these are all like stripped down versions of what's in, uh, Leviathan because like the, like they have the starter set and then the ultimate starter set, which I think the ultimate starter set adds maybe a, adds a few more models and, uh, terrain, which is nice. Uh, but the introductory set is one where it gives you two units. It's a five-man unit of um, Infernus Marines and a 10-model Termagant squad. But it also gives you clippers and paint and dice and a board to play on and a paintbrush. So it's like it, that is literally if you have no idea, if you want to like figure out what this thing is, you can buy this and it it like walks you through everything from building your models all the way to playing. So that's cool. Yeah, they did this. They did those starter sets last, uh, last edition as well with like mm-hmm. the scale down Indominus boxes. And like, I think that's a really great way to keep that on the shelf and keep people keep the entry point um, low for people coming in. So, yeah. And I do find it kind of weird that the starter set 
does not include like it is the combat patrol except it doesn't have the librarian but the ultimate starter set does have the librarian so i think if you have the ultimate starter set you do actually get both combat patrols Mm -hmm. like i'd have to double check on the nids one because i know it doesn't include the screamer killer but i know that's not in the combat patrol yeah also, I really like the fact that they how they've changed the downloads pages for everything, where it's like everything's in one page and just broken yeah. out by section. Yeah, I believe you do get everything because it is the, um, so it's the prime, uh, it's the winged prime, the psychophage, twenty termagants, five barbgants, and von Ryan's leapers. So yeah, it's both the it's the both combat is, patrols. It's both combat patrols. So. As long as it's under two hundred and sixty dollars, yeah, or like it's it's a value. <laughs> yeah, and it says the ultimate handbook gives you the seventy-two page core rules book plus the combat patrol rules and all six combat patrol missions. And yeah, they yeah they do specifically call out that it bumps everything up to combat patrol and adds terrain. So that's cool. I do oh, I appreciate that. So yeah, you you buy the ultimate starter set and you like split that with a friend and both of you end up with combat patrols. Yeah. I am curious what the price on that is going to be. I hopefully less than the cost of two combat patrols. You know, just to yeah, make I it would a, hope so. a, a yeah. bundle price. But I like I like I was talking with a friend yesterday, and he specifically called out like the introductory set as a really good way for people to get into the hobby too, just because it mm-hmm. does have everything you need to kind of get the get a basic feel for it, and it's probably going to be at a low cost. I let's see. I because I imagine the old ones are, yeah. I don't like, know if they're still on the website, but I, I want to say the the introductory starter set for last edition was like between sixty and eighty bucks US. So yeah, the recruit edition was fifty. Okay, yeah, but that but that was the one where it's like you didn't have like it gave you some Necrons, it gave you some Space Marines, and then you used like the bottom of the deck as terrain, but it didn't give you any dice or it did give you dice it didn't give you any paints or clippers or anything like that whereas like the paint and tool set was 45 and that gave mm-hmm. you like twice as many paints but it and it gave you some clippers but so i'm just i'm curious to see where where the price point on this is going to come in because they obviously haven't announced that yet yeah but I, I do appreciate that they're trying to find more ways and especially with more digital games coming out that it's going to draw more people in. So I'm, I'm glad they're coming up with more entry points for people to get into the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, so going from combat patrol, I know you have more games to talk about Dennis, but we'll talk about sure. that a little bit later. Cause I want to jump sure. in with uh, Richard and I played a game. Now, technically this is the fourth game I played. I will get into the tournament later that I played in, but uh Richard, you and I actually managed to get together for a thousand point Tau versus Orcs game. Yeah. Yeah, I I built up a Squig Rider writ list. Um and it was lots of fun to play. And yeah. yeah. And so, we did we did what, tactical objectives. We did do tactical objectives. And uh uh, I the the terrain that you had was really cool. I liked that. 
Yeah, so I, I broke out my the squad marks like battle ready terrain set where it's like the fold up cardboard terrain, and it actually worked really well. It had, we had a good uh, variety of line of sight blocking stuff on the table, and it set up really fast, tore down really fast, and looked decent. So no complaints yep. there. And uh, yeah, so we we decided to try out uh, the missions from the. Uh, the tournament packet, which is something else that came out after our last episode, where they released the the competitive play uh, packet, which is only like eight pages, but it basically includes a few changes for tournament play, such as you can stand on objective markers in uh, in tournament play, which you can't do in the core rules. Yeah, that that was that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and apparently uh, Deploy Servos... Let's see. Deploy Servo Skulls was actually changed in the mission pack. Oops, so we didn't play that one oh. right. Because they oh, added well. a paragraph at the end saying the conditions... Because, so, okay, so Deploy Servo Skulls is everyone's least favorite mission, if, especially if you're using neoprene objective markers right now, mm-hmm. because you have to pull all the models off and then drag the neoprene over six inches and then put everybody back down. But they they changed it so that uh, so basically you score two points for each server skull that's wholly within twelve inches of the deployment zone of their opponent's deployment zone, five po- victory points for each server skull within six inches, and eight victory points for each server skull wholly within their opponent's deployment zone. The note they added is: note these conditions are not cumulative. If more than one applies, the player whose turn it is scores the applicable condition that carries the highest reward. Ah. So well, I don't okay. know if that means yeah, that makes sense. you can, that does make sense. So like you can't end up and the most you can have is four objectives if hidden supplies is used. So like, right. Th- yeah. Theoretically, you which, can, which so we you, had. <laughs> yeah. Which we did. Cause that was, because that was something else we used is we rolled up a random letter because they've created the mission pool where it's like, here's a mission, here's a mission rule, here's a deployment. And so, like, if you go to a tournament, you're going to be using one of these. So we did number K, letter K, item K, which is uh, deploy servo skulls, hidden supplies, crucible battle, which crucible battle is like a uh, diagonal hammer and anvil. And hidden supplies gives you an extra objective and moves the center one out. So they're like 12 inches away from each other. And so, yeah, but other than playing servo skulls a little bit off that's fine. We were both used scoring the same way, so it didn't matter. But yeah, so since I knew for servo skulls that was going to be bad, we used our small uh, acrylic objectives, and that was much easier. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got first turn, and I think we you know we talked about this a little bit. Uh, you got first turn, and you got to play teleport Homer as one of your objectives, and you're like, well, my boss on Squig is uh, right there up front. He can get to the middle, so I guess I'll use him. Yep. Yep, he, he ran out there and then got introduced to a broadside. Yeah, broadside was... And I think I did roll a six to wound on one of those wounds. So, yeah, yeah he took some mortals. Uh, yeah, and, and like... And, and as we said, like, my first game, I forgot quite a few things especially towards the beginning because like like artist nails would have helped probably a little bit um 
and and I think I think I was rolling five up, feel no pain instead of the the four up that he actually has. Ha- having the card in front of me would have helped. Yeah, you were still um, going off of your app at that point, which the yeah. app is not bad. The, having all the data there is useful. It's just a bit clunky to get to an individual it, unit. It, yeah, to, to have one. to like I kept. I kept like yeah, having to swap out and swap and go from unit to unit to get mm-hmm. the right information, and it, half the time I would hit like the back arrow like too many times and like leave the list, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like yeah, it like yeah, the cards would make things easier, and you'd have I could just have the cards that are in the list and that would simplify things a little bit. uh, Yeah. But yeah, like he, he died first turn to that. Um, But, but then like, I basically got to like, I had pushed forward with pretty much everything except for one unit, which at first I thought was a mistake, but it pretty much, I think ended up winning me the game at the end. Yes. Leaving that unit back there. Um, But, uh, yeah, the uh, like this the Squig Hog boys having you know lots of movement meant that I could push forward and and then move like all of those a bunch of those objectives forward, which kind of that actually probably is really what won me the game overall. Oh, just very much, cause, very definitely, because it it just kept me scoring points during the whole game. Yeah. As uh, opposed to you having to fight back. <laughs> right, push right. push them back. Yeah, the best... I think I got one objective near... Like, briefly, I had one in your deployment zone, and you were able to push it out. Yeah. But otherwise, they were all on my side of the table, so the best I could do would be to keep them a bit further away so they were worth, worth fewer points. Um, and... Now, that game, I think I definitely ended up getting the better secondary objectives. Uh, and also, shout out to yeah. Moonhammer's app, the Tabletop Battles app, because it oh, yeah. a lot, the tracking on that is fantastic. And being able to um, see, like, at the end of the game, it's like, okay, so on this turn, I scored this secondary and this secondary. And, like, I maxed out my secondary points where you didn't, but you made up yeah. the difference on primary points. Right. Which it'd be interesting to see how like that game would have scored if we had used that update. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think where where the objectives were, the, uh, it probably would have been about the same. Yeah, I, I don't I think, think it would have been that different. Uh, but yeah, art yeah, art as nails was definitely your MVP strat. Like that helped yeah. keep several units alive. Cause like I yep. you had a that mob of twenty B snaga boys coming up, and I did finally get them below half, but you were able to shrug off because I had a unit of like I had breachers. I wasn't able to kill them with the unit of breachers. I wasn't able to kill them. I think I did finally finish them off like turn four with the crisis uh, suits. Yeah. But like it took a while, <laughs> yeah. Because between Arda's nails and the pain boss in that squad, you know, attached to that unit, it was really hard to chew through them. 
And then, yeah, that yeah. squad you had hiding in the back, like I was able to push up my ghost keel. And I think that really showed where OC is a great mechanic because while my yeah. ghost keel is OC3 and because objective control is based on the number of models, you know, because you had asked that question early on in the game. It's like, so if a, a unit's on two objectives, which one does it control? It's like, well, it's actually based on how many models and what the model's right. OC is. So, like, you were able to get up to an objective on, like, turn five, control it because my ghost keel's OC3 and you had, like, a unit of 10 boys like or 11 or i think by that point with the unit with the war boy you had lost like a couple of guys I, I'd but lost, you still have i had lost like two because like the war boy screamed and blew up two of the boys heads <laughs> right <laughs> but but you were able to like you still had way more control than i did and so you, yeah you got that objective and then you like you you intentionally did not charge my guy. You stayed an inch away and just kind of formed a line so that when the objective moved six inches, you were still in control of it at the end. And I could not take it from you. I did not have the right. means to take it from you. Even if I had killed as – like even if my shots had been perfect, I still wouldn't have killed enough to take the objective from you. So it right. like that play I think really sealed the deal because it kept me from scoring as many points as I needed. Right. And then yeah. I had to yeah. I had to do the not orky thing. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah, that's where like the tactical objectives really come in is it does require you know, it's like we've always liked Maelstrom of War. And you know, we liked the Tempest of War deck for ninth edition. I think this has been the best implementation of it. And the fact that you don't get stuck with objectives that you can't score because you can either ditch them at the beginning of the turn or at the end of the turn. And it just depends on whether you want to spend a CP yeah. or get a CP for doing it. Right. I just it's it's a really solid way to do secondary objectives. It keeps the game dynamic. You get things like attempting target where it's like, yeah, I'm going to make you pick. I'm going to make you go after the worst objective for you and see if I can if I can stop you from scoring scoring those points or. Or sometimes it's like, well, I was going to do this anyway. Or you had that one turn where it's like, okay, I've got two units that are going to do battle shock. And you had to like figure out what, ha- how do I pull this off if both of them fail battle shock? Right. Which, which if both of them failed, like I couldn't have really done either. Uh, but yeah, I, I ended up like, like one passed. And, and like it, like that one hinged like on one of the secondary objectives I had to like control table quarters, and then like the other one was close to the center, and so that was what like field dominance or something uh, area like denial. that or area denial to where I had to be in the center of the table with with no enemy units. And so, like, it, if either of them, if both of them failed, like, I could do, you know, insane bravery to have one of them pass, and then I could have gotten one of the objectives. So, like, but fortunately, like, one of the, I think I, I, think I did have to do insane bravery on like the the beast naga squad. Yes, you did because the uh, like yeah. the squig hog riders passed theirs, and then yeah, this yeah, and then yeah, yeah and you so failed the other the, one, but it's like yeah. I just spend a CP to 
make this this unit pass, and then you were able to easily score both secondaries. Yep. So yeah, it was it was overall a a really really good really close game. So yeah, I had lots of fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a good game, and in the end, you won seventy four to seventy three. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> tallied up the points and it was just like it was a and you know what I will take a good close loss because that was it was a lot of fun yeah and we're and we're already talking about our next one of possibly doing what thousand points of gray knights versus thousand points of nurgle demons and seeing what happens nice yeah yeah I I just it, unfortunately again like I'll be on the app because I did get my gray knight cards but oh well <laughs> <laughs> just just proxy thousand suns instead right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah that grandmaster's magnus you know we're, you're fine it'll, it'll work yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i and cards like i did not actually buy any of the cards but i did go ahead and print my cards at walgreens and they're a little bit smaller because like four by the cards are bigger than four by six but my my printouts are all four by six, but they worked fine, and it was really good to bring them to the tournament. I played the week before the cards came out, so everyone else was going off of their app, but I had actual physical cards and um, the uh, plus one to hit uh, booklet. I printed that one out for my tower, so I have this little booklet that has my like army rule and strats and and enhancements in it and then i have my cards for my units and that was really nice i really do like that format and cost wise it was like it cost me about 12 bucks now granted they were having a sale on like if you did 75 prints it was like 11 cents a photo so i was able to get them printed out for a just shy of 12 bucks and then i had i printed out the booklet at home and so like I got my stuff for less because I think the Tau deck is eighteen dollars, so it wasn't wildly cheaper. And if I did all the armies I have, the cost would still add up pretty quickly. Which that's the downside of having multiple armies, especially in an edition <laughs> where where you don't just like. I will say, Eighth Edition, as as many things that were not quite right about it at the start, having like the book that is here's all the Imperium armies and here's yeah. all the Xenos armies that was kind of nice like that wasn't too bad uh, but uh the decks add the cost of the decks add up really quickly but at least it's free so like even if i just want to print them out on like two data sheets to a sheet or something like that or front and back on a single sheet of paper i could just print out like a binder of units if i wanted to and just have like a quasi codex there so it all works i can make it work um and then I do want to talk about like the tournament I played at. So July first, uh, here at Mind Games and Magic, they did their first tenth edition tournament. I think they had about twelve players, and it was a three round tournament. All of the pairings were random. There was they did not base them off of win loss record, and that was the weekend. Also, that like the day before the uh, tournament packet had been released. So they did go ahead and use the tournament packet. Uh, they did, and we did use the rules like you could stand on objectives. Um, first round, I got to play against Death Watch that was using, like, I think he had uh, two, like, he had a Vendred, two Redemptors, two 10-man units of Desolation Marines, and... 
and uh, I know he had at least one kill team. He did have a Termin- unit of Terminators and a Terminator captain. He had the Primaris Lieutenant in Phobos armor. Um, he had a Tech Marine who was keeping one of his Redemptors constantly hitting on twos. Or so. Um, and yeah, Red- Trying to crack Redemptors was tricky because unless I was firing my broadsides, they're like T9. So T9, like that jump from T8 to T9 is is big. But uh, in that game, and, and to something you, you pointed out earlier, Kevin, and I'm pretty sure it was Kevin who said it this time, <laughs> about remembering to use army rules, he did forget to use Oath of Moment for the first two rounds of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I should have been Oath of Momenting this whole time. And so he did remember after that point. Also, that's the game where a unit of Breachers survived a full barrage from a 10-man squad of Desolation Marines. So, wow. So so doesn't necessarily mean the unit's dead. I got some really good save rolls. Yeah, it turns out units survive if you can make saves. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, ghost keels not being able to be hit, re- like lone operative was really strong in that game too, because I was able just to just in general, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, being able to just run ghost keels up and he couldn't do anything about it as long as I kept them far enough away, and being able to to basically ignore two damage rolls per game, mm-hmm. just really really good. Um, like. In the end, I actually pulled out the wind. It was something like 81 to 57. And I, and partially that was because he played very defensively because he had like a huge chunk of his army was just held back because it was two squads of Desolation Marines. And I never touched them. And they did kill a fair amount of stuff. But in the end, it's just like if they're not scoring him objectives, then they're not doing anything for him. And it was... And I'm pretty sure it was just the take one, take two, you know, hold objectives mission. It was, you know, very basic mission. And then rounds two and three, I played two different Eldari lists before the fix. (laughs) (laughs) And it hurt real bad. Uh, Now, these lists were different. Uh and, and, like, during lunch, I was, like, looking – like, we all all went out to a restaurant for, for lunch afterwards. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm playing Eldari. And the two Eldari list players are sitting there. It's like, which one of us are you playing? I'm like, uh, it's this one. It's like, oh, that's the nicer list. Like, Ooh. oh, oh, you mean so – so you're telling me there's a chance. Narrator, <laughs> he did not, in fact, have a chance. Um, it uh, – it's – so the, the first list – I do want to read these out because they were different. I want to – yeah, there there are some similarities. There's a little bit of overlap because, like, you want to take a Farseer so you can swap out of Fate Die for a six, things yes. like that. Round two, I played Ben McCarthy, who did get 100 points. <laughs> it was 100 to 27. I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Uh, his list was Asserman, an Autark Wayleaper, a Farseer, Illicanite Spear, a Spirit Seer. Mm-hmm. A unit of Guardian Defenders with a Bright Lance platform. A Wave Serpent with twin star cannons. Uh, a unit of 10 Dire Avengers. Two Fire Prisms. A Night Spinner. A unit of Rangers. A unit of Shadow Specters. A unit of Viper, or one Viper. 
uh, two war walkers with dual bright lances, uh, a unit of Gosh. warp spiders with the exarch, and a block of ten wraith guard. Okay. Um, uh, which weapon on the wraith guard? Wraith cannons. Okay. Um, and I will say that unit of wraith guard was absolutely the MVP for that you game. You probably couldn't touch him, and if you did, he'd bring one back every turn. Well, here's the other thing. If you so much as target them, they kill something. Well, so, yeah. And when I say that, it's like, so here's, so like the Wraith Guard themselves, like after an enemy unit targets this unit, they get to shoot. And if they, and the guns become pistols so they can shoot in close combat, if they, even if they're engaged. Um, you know, they got tougher with better saves and better movement in this edition. They became six-inch yes. movement, seven toughness, two-up save, three wounds each. They are hard nuts to crack anyway. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, he was using Phantasm on them. Every turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh because I know what that is. Yeah, they was basically getting 12 inches of movement out of them every yeah. turn. Which, because for those that don't know, phantasm is a stratagem you do in your opponent's movement phase. At the end of their phase, you use it for one CP and you move one of your units seven inches. Yeah, so he was he was getting lots of movement out of them, just pushing them up. Uh, the mission was servo skulls, so he pushed up very quickly and got all the servo skulls pushing into my territory. And then, like, the final thing that he did with that unit of Wraithguard, he charged Shadow Sun. Oh. Now, I chose not to overwatch because if I shoot at them, they shoot me back. Right. Then he assaulted her. Now, he did not kill her in in assault because he only got, like, a few models in bait, you know, within engagement range, and they didn't really hurt. Like, they they did a couple of wounds to her. She has to target them back with a. I don't get an option to not swing back. Gosh. So you charge yeah. somebody with unit Wraith Guard, you're not likely to kill them in close combat, and then they will shoot you to death. <laughs> okay, I will admit that wasn't a tactic I'd really thought about, but as you were starting to lay the direction it was going, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that would work. Oh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's I mean they're they're expensive. They're like 300 like 310 points, but that 310 points got work done. And then like I was saying before, with the speed spirits here there, that raise or makes them hit on threes instead of fours mm-hmm. and also gives them lethal hits so they can also they don't have to worry about toughness on sixes. Yep. Even though their strength 14 weapons don't normally worry about toughness anyway. Um, and the spirits here has a thing of if their bodyguard has a person die, they can bring one back each command phase. So it's just, I mean, it's like Necrons on crack. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Warwalkers that with a four up invuln and minus one to be They're- wounded were very resilient and the fact that if he yeah. like i was I, I did eventually like get wounds on him and had a couple of them near death but then at that point he's just making saves because he can just spend he was spending fate dice just to make saves right and and that's the thing the war walkers would just when the books came or the cards came out 
I was like, man, this is one of the most improved units ever because Warwalkers were good maybe a few editions ago, then they kind of fell off. But as soon as they gave them a four-up invone, it's like, oh my, these yeah. are going to be solid. And they're just good, solid, walking, moving gun platforms. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then Asterman and the Dire Avengers were just pure objective control. I, and I told you they're nifty strat. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's not It's not even a strat here. It's like you just target right. them with Overwatch and that. Yeah, they're hitting on fours. So it's like I couldn't, and it I couldn't get near that objective. Yeah, I couldn't get near that objective. So, yeah, that, that one was just, you know, it, I think I made it to – he went first. I think I made it all the way to top of four before I was tabled. Um. But yeah, that that game, it was cool to see, like you know seeing him take like Asterman and Illic and Shadow Specters, like Shadow Specters, which are surprisingly strong. Also, yes. Although I, I think he said like those were the ones he, or no, I think he's like the ra- uh, the Warp Spiders were a unit he wasn't as sure about because while they can get somewhere very quickly, they tend to get somewhere and then die very quickly. Yeah, I'll get to that a little bit in mind, but the high high level is. Um- Shadow Spectres seem really cool when they drop in. They don't die, and they get some stuff done. Warp Spiders seem to drop in, maybe kill something, unless it's a vehicle or something, and then they die. So I'm not sold on Warp Spiders this edition. Yeah. So that game was rough, uh, definitely. Uh, And again, Shadow... Deploy servo skulls meant I couldn't regain momentum. Like I scored so little because I could score secondaries and that was about it. And then game three, I got paired with the other Eldari player, (laughs) which, um, and the only reason he didn't technically get a hundred points is because his army wasn't fully painted. So (laughs) he, he, he took a little bit of a loss there, but his list uh, Avatar of Cain, Eldrad Ulthran, Farseer, the Incarn, two units of gra- oh, wow. uh, two units of Guardian Defenders, both with Bright Lance platforms, a Wave Serpent with twin star cannons, two Fire Prisms, a unit of Rangers, uh, three D cannon support weapons, and a Wraith Knight <laughs> with uh, dual re- heavy Wraith oh, cannons gosh. and dual yeah. star cannons. Um, I only he put in my. Sc- he put in my scores 27 to be nice to me. I scored 17 points and 10 of that was battle ready. Wow. It was harsh. The Wraith, the, the Wraith Knight with dual Wraith cannons on Overwatch when he can just spend sixes or make dice into sixes to auto hit. Like I had a unit of breachers come out of a, uh, Devil fish. They're within 24 inches of him. He's towering, so he can see them. I immediate. I had to pull them off the table immediately. Like, they were all... Are you, are you talking about the D-Cannon or the Wraith Knight? Oh, sorry. The Wraith... No, these were the Wraith... That was the Wraith Knight. Sorry. The Wraith Knight... Because okay, they're, they're the, more than 24 inches, I believe. No, but Overwatch, I believe, is a 24-inch limit. Like, it's a, if a unit moves within 24 inches... Stratagems, fire Overwatch. One enemy, one unit from your army that is within twenty four inches of that enemy unit and would be eligible to shoot if it were your shooting phase. So yeah, the the target has to be within twenty four inches. But okay. still, on a forty four by sixty table where he was located, twenty four inches covered pretty much my anywhere I was going to move to. Yeah, I, and 
Yeah, basically, if anything moved where he could see it, he could obliterate it. And with two units of Guardian Defenders, he was generating extra fate dice. He had Farseers so he could make them sixes if he needed to. He could re-roll fate dice. Uh, The Incarn, like, if I did manage to kill a unit that got near me, boom, it's an Incarn. (laughs) Who has Uh, all damage. (laughs) Yeah, that and the average, like, everything in there hit hard. Like, everything hit hard. So... And my list that I was taking in all these games, obviously, you know, because one event was basically a 2000 point version of the list I took. I played against Richard. It had two ghost keels, it had Shadow Sun, it had a Cold Star Commander with Crisis Suits, two units of Breachers, each with a uh, Fire Blade, both in Devil Fishes, a unit of two broadsides, uh, two stealth teams, a Pathfinder team, um, uh, an ethereal for generating CP. Uh, I had a Firesight Marksman, which wasn't terribly useful. I don't think he killed anybody all game with his sniper rifles, but um, still, just like he's a 70 point character that is lone operative that can plunk on an objective somewhere. Um, so, yeah, it's like I couldn't, I could not do anything that entire game. That one I was tabled on three. Like I did not make yeah. it to the bottom of bottom of three, and it also like in both those games, my opponent went first, and yeah, if if the like with the point because fire prisms went up in cost, the wraith yes. knight went up in cost, the d platforms went up in cost, yep. uh, if that like that game right there would have been very, and also with one per phase would have been very different. I actually would have had, I think, a chance. I don't chance. think I would have won. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have won, but I think I could have actually scored points. Yeah. And I think and, – and same thing with the other game because uh, even then, like, the only units that would have been touched would have been the Fire Prisms and the Night Spinner, but they did go up and that would have meant something else had to go. And so he was kind of – we were talking after the game because we had time because uh, <laughs> it went quick uh, to, like, figure out, like, well, when my – you know, when this cost goes up, like, what are the units I'm most likely to pull? And that's where the, like, discussing warp spiders and where he'd probably pull the warp spiders out came up. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Eldari prefix is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. Um, the fact, like, they've been reported with, like, a 70-something win percent win rate. I would absolutely believe it. Um, yeah. So they were... Those games, nothing against my opponents. My opponents were fantastic. They were friendly. Uh, my, like I said, my my last opponent, he had knew, he knew I played the other Eldari player the round before, and so he's like, mm-hmm. that's when he showed me like he was putting in our scores on Best Coast pairings, and he shows me. I'm like, no, you have me for 27. He's like, oops, my finger must have slipped and hit and hit submit. Yeah, like he was, <laughs> he gave me 10 points for basically being a good sport, and I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, nothing against my opponents, and I'm not mad at them for playing Eldari. They were playing different lists, and they were just doing what the army is designed to do. Yeah, I can't be mad I, about I, that. I will admit, though, the first list you mentioned, I didn't think about some of those tricks with the Wraith Guard, and so I'm like, wow. I'm I'm going to say more impressed by that than I am just having all the biggest strongest ones yeah i mean yeah one one list is just well that and that was the meaner of the two lists like when they said like that's right. the mean one yeah absolutely it was um <laughs> but i do but yeah i i still had a good time at the tournament and it was good like that was my 
my first set of tournament missions, and I think I'm I'm ready to go in and see what happens. Tau right now is sitting like somebody's done the numbers, and Tau is sitting near the bottom. I think only Death Guard is lower on win rates. Oh my! Yeah, and so I, I don't know exactly why that's the case, but uh, I'm still going to play Tau. I'm still going to have fun playing Tau. I'm going to go for best sportsman because that's you know, if, if nothing else, I can win that. Uh, so uh, it, it'll be fun to, to play at Trimmy Showdown. And it's my birthday weekend. So, like, I'm going to be spending my week, my, my birthday playing 40K. I can't ask for a lot more than that. I'll be, <laughs> I'm, I'm just happy to be there. <laughs> so, Dennis, you also had a tournament you played, uh, other, or other games that you've played beyond other your games, Combat yeah. Patrol tournament. So, I think I'd. I think I mentioned that when Leviathan dropped, I did get a game in of Voton versus Tyranids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game, what we used the um, fixed missions rather than the tactical missions. And that's why I was like, I these are really lame. Unless you know you can actually consistently take a fixed mission, I don't like them. And like you were noting, when you use tactical, it kind of makes the game feel more fluid the the fixed missions really did not so that's all we'll really say about that one because i think i did talk about that one on our last episode mm-hmm. um but then we went ahead and did another thousand point game we were planning but we said let's get more players and, and see so we actually got two other people to join us so instead of doing two one thousand point games because the other guys were like this was their first game of 40k ever we paired up with each of them and um made a 2000 point game well with like one half of the board was a thousand points of tyranids with a thousand points of wraith eldar and then the other half of the board was a thousand points of dark angels that i brought and a thousand points of gray knights and also just as the caveat the wraith eldar were also my Wraith Eldar that I'd built a list for the guy because he said, I like the race. And he said this not even knowing they were strong. He's just, I've always <laughs> thought those models look cool. So I'm like, I'm not going to begrudge him saying that <laughs> and the fact that they're actually good right now. Although I, I was trying to coach him and I would have, I did not even think to coach him on the way that those races were described earlier. Yeah. But so this one, we, we did the tactical missions and I love them so much more than fixed. It makes, the, like I said, the game more fluid. And it was funny when we, we kind of were setting up, there was a guy or two people playing next to us at the Texas Toy Soldier game store, and they were playing Dark Eldar versus Eldari. And, not Dark Eldar, Dark Angels versus Eldari. And so when we said what was in here, they said, oh, they're doing the same as we just did. And we're <laughs> like, yeah, but we also have Great Knights and Tyranids. And going back to one thing Kevin said, remembering your rules is important. Mm-hmm. It's also difficult when you're trying to remember your rules and also teaching other people their rules. Because uh, halfway through the game is when I finally noticed slash remembered the, the Eldar rule of you get to re-roll a hit roll and a wound roll for each unit that does stuff. Oh, yeah. So, and that's huge. And he didn't do that for half the game because I, I think I mentioned it at the very start of the game, but then didn't think about it until like halfway through which that made a little bit of difference later on but i think the the unfortunately eldar and tyranids don't mix very well especially when the tyranids were like a bazillion termagants and the termagants aren't fast either and so they were blocking the the wraiths and they were hordes of 20 two squads of 20 um hormagants each Ooh. 
And yeah, so I was like, oh, no big deal. I've got Desolation Marines. I'll just remove a squad a turn. It won't be bad. I thought, well, just my indirect fire will take care of them. So I'll fire my my main guns at one of his big monstrous Tyranids. Uh, yeah, I did barely scratch the monster, and I left um, four Termagants alive, which, oh, Richard, you might know, there's a giant um, Tyranid that just makes more Termagants. The, um... The Turvagon. Turvagon. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the Turvagon, then he rolled a six on his D3 plus three to get back, and he used the stratagem to, and got another six, so suddenly that squad didn't even have to take a battle shock test because they just got 12 more filtered in. I was like, oh my gosh. I was sure that having four or five shots that had blast on them on 20 would be enough extra bullets to, uh... And I guess they were also next to one of the Tyranids that gave them a feel-no-pain, which also didn't help, because <laughs> he was making some feel-no-pain saves. So after that, I was like, oh yeah, spend everything into them next time. So yeah, that's what the Desolation Marines did that round. They took out the rest of that Termagant squad, they took out the other Termagant squad, and by then, yeah, things were starting to look up, even though all I had left on the board was them and the line. Uh, they said, oh, we're going to pop out from where we were at, because they were sitting on an objective, so I guess, unlike the ones in your game, Rob, these Desolation Marines were on an objective, and so they popped out, and yeah, that's when the Neurogaunt, not Gaunt, Neurolord, whatever his Neuro name Tyrant. is. Tyrant, that's the, what they call them. Yes, the Neuro Tyrant said, Hi, I can see you now. Here's some Overwatch. And rolled Willy really well and wiped out four out of the five um, guys in the squad. The only reason he didn't wipe the whole squad is I had a Primaris Librarian tied to them. And so I actually got four up Feel No Pain against the um, Psychic Attack. Oh, good. So... Yeah. <laughs> and that's something I'll probably never forget. If, Hi, we're moving out. Oh... And he's like, yeah, he was just waiting. And once he saw you, he screamed. I'm like, yeah, we felt it. <laughs> Fights first is deadly. I-, I will just say that. Because mm-hmm. if you charge and someone has fights first, they can actually fight first. Because it starts with the defender. So it's almost like you don't want to charge anything that fights first unless you're charging multiple units into them. Which we found with both the um, leapers from the Tyranids um, and then the lion. Because I held the lion in reserve, and then I, I don't like doing that, but I I did just because I said, oh, it'll be interesting. Having him not on the board for two turns, just because he can't come in till the second turn. And so I deep-striked him in. He charged some Tyranids that were on the back point and took it from them. I'm like, okay, cool. But then a Wraith Lord said, hi, I'm going to come and w- w- melee you. But since the lion has fights first, he took out the Wraith Lord prior to the Wraith Lord getting to do anything. And that's when I was messaging you guys. I'm like, yeah, the lion is just destroying anything he touches. What was actually hurting him the most was the Wraith Guard descites, just because the weight of fire was plinking off a wound, a wound, a wound, a wound. Until finally on the turn five, um, the Wraith Seer with the D cannon was able to land a hit, spend a six that he'd been saving to make it mortal wounds, and yeah, that that finish off the line because I don't have saves versus the mortals. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
but yeah, he was he was be as one of the other people there put it. He is three hundred ninety points, which is like almost forty percent of your one thousand point list. I'm like, yeah, I just want to see what he would do. Kind of like in your Storm Raven game, Kevin. And yeah, yeah the line was as advertised. A three up invone is insane, and the fact he also, in addition to all that, all the Wraith Guard guns that are strength fourteen should be wounding him on threes because he's also toughness nine. But he's got a rule that reduces the wound roll by one, so they were wounding him on fours. Yeah, anything anything that reduces wound rolls is strong, like what Richard found in our game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what hard art as nails does. So very nice. Um, and the one rule that I almost forgot about that would not have made a difference is because I'm Dark Angels. Had the um, Desolation Marines actually got battle shocked because they did fail it once. And I had to, because the Tyranids Psychic Scream, or Terror in the Warp, I went ahead and spent the CP to unbattleshock them. But in retrospect, I didn't need to, because the only reason I did that was to make sure they had objective control on the point. But Dark Angels sets, not sets, but it gives you a plus one to your objective control. So even though it goes down to zero, it gets set to zero, adding right. happens after the set, so right. I'd be at one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So just little things like that we're we're still learning. But no, that and also in the middle of that game, the Tyranid Eldar players had moved off of their points, and then when the Lion took their back point, we actually took the middle point of the board, they had a round they scored no primary and no secondary. And I think that's what sealed the game for them. It's is being on primary objectives still is an important part of the game, and if you can't get on points to score primary it's going to be an uphill battle even if you are able to make some secondaries yeah i mean primary the fact that uh primary it's not like ninth edition where primary was 45 and secondary was 45 primary is 50 so it is truly the, the the most points you can earn so yeah it's super important that you have that secondaries will help secondaries will make up a little bit of a gap but you still want to get those primary points whenever possible. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway from this though, was getting two new people into the game, trying it out. And that's what I think I loved most. And it was a just fun game there because I mean, it wasn't competitive. It was, we were just playing it for fun and it, it was just enjoyable. Um, also, like you noted, Rob, the Wraith really, other than the lion touching the D-Scythe race in melee and just murdering them all, the Wraiths weren't really touched. They were just too strong for the Grey Knights to handle with. And oh yeah, I didn't speak about the Grey Knights. Yeah, their teleport shenanigans are fun and amazing, and I, I think they would be a fun squad to play because they fit my style. But I'm not going to get into another army. I've already added two this year. That's more than enough. That's probably two more than enough. But yeah, I also I'll toss this out. Find it funny that I I think the factions I'm really enjoying right now would be like Dark Angels, Votan, Eldar, Custodes, and a lot of these actually have a stratagem that lets you fall back and shoot. Huh? Do I like fall back and shooting? I think Maybe. you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the other thing is I I mentioned this last time but i i have started my little dennis army tournament thing uh and i went ahead with kevin's suggestion because i was i I was leaning towards it anyway and i've set my armies into groups and so i have like 15 lists i've made four of which are eldar so i could try out the different flavors um and like i seeded some of them 
and then made sure there's an Eldar, a Dark Eldar in every group. And so I started some of those games out. And in this group is Chaos Knights, Phoenix Lords for Eldar, and um, Space Wolves. I call them Space Wolves heroes, a.k.a. all the named Space Wolf characters. So we've got so many named characters in this one. I've only done the first two games in group play, and the Chaos Knights won both of those games. So they will be advancing to the knockout rounds. Um, <laughs> but in those, that's what I was getting at is knights are so strong because just they have so much firepower and they can see the board. But I will say once like both Phoenix Lords or um, Space Wolf Heroes got into melee, it was a different story, mostly because these are character units that actually can deal damage. They They were able to take down the knights and even... I, I made fun of them in previous edition. Long Fangs. They, I feel like they have a place again. I mean, kind of like I stuck Desolation Marines on a point and had them just shoot. Long Fangs can do that now. I don't fear them dying as quickly. So I can have a point that has firing lanes, put the Long Fangs there, and just have them go to town. I mean, the, between the rockets and the LAS cannon, they can be some anti-vehicle. So... um. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, Rob, for the Avatar, I didn't get to see how well the Avatar actually is yet. So maybe I'll see it this game because Chaos Knights took the Avatar out top of one because they identified him as a threat and focus fired and Avatar was then not there. (laughs) Even with having damage and all that. (laughs) But yeah, even in the Chaos Knights game, uh, the Abominant has I gave him the enhancement to make him sticky. And Sticky's still huge, because I could have him spend turn one on the point in their deployment zone, and then just start moving out. It's like, okay. And that makes a difference, too, because you don't have any knights that are, like, left with guard duty. I mean, that did, air quote, bite them in the rear when I would deep strike units back to try and take that point. But they can then just turn around and, oh, if you don't make it to the point, well, they do. I'll just shoot you off. And then, well, oh, neither one of us has this point. Oh, well, I've had it for two turns already. So there's 10 primary and I've already moved forward into your lanes and I'm causing more destruction. And if the fact that you can just turn around and shoot the squad that takes the point is, is just knights are strong. Yeah. I'll get, I'm getting out there. Fire dragons. Interesting. They, they did some things against knights. We'll see if they do anything against a land raider that the space wolves have because, well, they're a target. They might die before the, the they get to shoot the Land Raider. But it is fun seeing the, all the Phoenix Lords in one list. The thing I'll say about that is I'm not sure if the Aspect Warriors do much. Because in a way, it's like, yeah, I've got all the Aspect Warriors. The other thing I think of is, oh, these are just all the extra wounds for the Phoenix Lords so they can get... <laughs> so it's it's... I like it and I don't like it because... I want to make, think of the, the Aspect Warriors as their own thing, but they really only seem to be really good if you tie them with their Phoenix Lord as a leader character. And then it's almost like, well, then the Phoenix Lord is, is needed. And the Phoenix Lord is still solid on its own, but it just means here's all these extra wounds for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still toying with mine. And then, oh yeah, I got to say this about Phoenix Lords. Having the, like, Jane Zar and Mugen Ra... Seeing them standing next to, like, Fuegan, Karandras, Baharath, Asherman, they just look wrong. Because the new ones, I believe, are on 40 mils, and the old ones are on 25. Right. And it's just, it's, uh, I don't like. So, 
Games Workshop, please give us more Aspect Warrior Phoenix Lords updates, because, yeah, now that we can put them all in a list, having them all together, um, it just looks bad. Also, then, like you were saying with Lone Operative, I, I've got the um, Autark with Lone Operative with the Phoenix Lords, just so he can extra generate extra CP. And also, that with the Lone Operative, I don't have to worry about getting shot unless you're getting close. And then with being the Wave Leaper, I can kind of mitigate that so I can always have that extra CP. Since I focused on Phoenix Lords, I don't have the Farseer in the list to do dice manipulation. Um, so this is my one way to actually... I leaned into the CP part of this one instead of dice manipula- manipulation. But don't worry, listeners. Uh, the other Eldari lists will have Farseers in them. And guardian defenders and all the other ways to get the the fancy dice, but yeah. So that that started out. Like I said, the next game there should be the Phoenix Lords versus the Space Wolf Heroes, and I am curious to see which characters actually come out on top. Yeah, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and he was kind of lamenting that it's a shame that people don't see Space Wolves as very good right now because, like, people are looking at, well, if you want to do a build with Space Wolves, you don't actually do it as Space Wolves. You do it under, like, the Gladius detachment. And he's like, but the fun about Space Wolves is their entire mechanic is built around characters, and I want to bring as many characters as I can because that's how Space Wolves are. (laughs) I will agree with and I'll also say now that I've played a game with it, because I was kind of thinking the same. I'm like, ah, I, I looked at this one and I'm like, I'm not that impressed. But these, I like the sagas more than the previous edition sagas. Because these, you do an event in the game, and then at your command phase on your next turn, or, or at the end of the turn, then you can select one, and then that becomes active. So I had sustained um, hits on my melee attacks. And I got feel no pain six up on the army just because I was doing these things in game. Downside, if you have the requirements for two of them, you can still only pick one. So it, it, and there's only four. So you'd have to like kind of, if you wanted to get all four buffs, do it that way. It's kind of plan out. How can I manipulate this to get this tapping on this turn? And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I wish you could just get more of them in a single turn rather than just one per turn, but that's my small little gripe. The other thing that's nice about how Space Wolves have their setup is a lot of their stratagems have an effect. And then if you have that saga, or the saga mastered, you've actually activated, you have an additional effect or a bonus effect. Like the feel no pain, I believe. Um, when you have that one, well, I'd have to look it up. I don't have the directly in front of you, but it's, <laughs> The stratagems are nice that they actually play into incorporating that. So it encouraged the Space Wolves to go do heroic things. Like one of them is just take out a vehicle or monster. One is have a character with wounds, but not dead. And that's how you get the feeling of pain. Another one is killing a character. So I believe that's the one that got me the, the sustained hits because I took out a, a knight, big knight, and all the big knights are characters now. So. Space Wolves are still fun. I, I, will they be strong? I don't know. I don't think so. But will they be fun? Yes. Will, can you run character crazy? Yes. Ragnar Blackbane leading some blood claws, having assault and charge. It's cool. Well, unless you're trying to get up to knights because the blood claws are still not good at killing knights. Um, but <laughs> past that, they, they have their little tricks. Cause I mean, the fact that, um, the gray, not gray knights, gray hunters, 
they they can actually advance and shoot with their normal weapons. I mean, so they have mobility because like they don't have assault weapons, but they can still advance and shoot because that's their trait. Um, and like I said, putting the leader with the blood claws, Ragnar makes them advance and charge. They get stronger on the charge. So there's a lot of fluff and flavor in the Space Wolves. And if that's what you're looking for is just – it's there. It's there. Definitely I'm giving them a thumbs up for playing how you think Space Wolves should play. Being a strong army in the current meta, no, they're not going to do that. But being just a fun army to put on the table and go charge and shoot and kill some things, yeah, definitely for that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to hear how more more of your your one person invitational tournament goes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm glad you're. I'm I'm glad these are sounding like they are fun armies. And th- from what I've seen, it looks like the armies play the way they like. I like how the Tau spotting mechanic works. I like you know I kind of like that idea of units observing and targeting things for each other and how you have to kind of like pick and choose. I'm enjoying that mechanic. Um, the Kalyon thing of getting sustaining hits on turns three, four, five. Yeah, it does require that I kind of hold off a bit, but it feels, and maybe it's because I don't have an alternative right now, but it, it feels better than I think Kalyon felt in ninth edition. Okay. Well, I think we're about done at this point. We are nearing our two hour mark. Uh, no, we have only started to, no, no, I know. Yes, we have only. <laughs> yes, there will be more. There will be much more in, in the in the months ahead. But uh, for this episode, we are nearing the end. Um, I did want to take a, a a brief moment to mention a couple of things from their not Warhammer forty thousand preview, where they talked about everything that wasn't yes. Warhammer forty thousand, which I appreciate. And the two things were one of them is something I want for Warhammer forty thousand, which is the Knights Acheron and Castigators are going to be in plastic too, Yay. not just the. Yeah. Yeah, it's because that oh I I want that castigator for my for my night household. I want it so I mean, bad. It, Forge World models weren't bad, and you know where you can pick them up. There's a store right I know, over there but, by me. But plastic yeah, but will be plastic will be cheaper and the, easier yeah. to work with. Yeah, these will be half the okay. cost. I mean, I can't <laughs> deny those. Yeah, yeah. can't and, deny any of those statements. <clears throat> I also like something they mentioned about how the ammo feeds for the Castigator and the Acheron for like the, the fuel line for the Flamer or the ammo feed for the Bolt Cannon is going to be fully articulated. So you're not locked into like one arm position forever because the piece is solid. So nice. that's going to be really cool. Ah, gosh, I want I, I'm, I am watching my budget net right now, but ah, when they come out this summer, I want one so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I and I'm wondering if it's going to be one kit that makes all three, or if it's going to be if they're going to try to sell them as three. I would think it'd be one kit that makes all three because the the bodies are the same other than the guns, but they might split them out into I three w- kits. I would hope one kit, and then because the, I uh, will admit, I will toss about this, Rob. Go looking at the Imperial like War Dog, no, the Armagers. The fact that each one is a separate kit, the War Dog kit is so much better because one kit for any of the three war dogs. So I'm hoping this is also a one kit per, I would hope I would really hope so, but I'm, I'm so looking forward to eventually getting, getting at least the castigator and possibly also the Acheron. Cause like the Lancer is okay, but the Lancer of the three, the Lancer is the one I want the least. The castigator is the one I want the most. And then the Acheron after that. 
Um, the other thing is, hey, we, we kind of surmised this when they did their last preview for Horus Heresy, but it's official. Epic is back in the form of Legion's <laughs> Imperialis with yeah. tiny little models, little eight millimeter space marines, which have an amazing amount of detail for being eight millimeter. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, uh, unrelated and, and they even said this, but, uh, on Snipe and Web's channel, they, they post occasional, like, kind of monthly, like, painting updates. And uh, Wib had gone through and just painting up a bunch of epic stuff. And he's, like, unrelated to the, uh, you know, to the to the announcement because, obviously, the announcement wasn't made yet. But, like, he was kind of comparing uh, the new sculpts versus, like, the old classic sculpts. And they're like, yeah, these old ones are um, rough. <laughs> so the new, yeah. the new epic <laughs> stuff looks a lot better. And I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun to... Uh, It'll be fun to see where they expand it. I, I don't love that it's kind of linked to the Horus Heresy, which means that like a lot of uh, Xenos aren't going to get things, but I think it's a good start. Well, and like they're even talking about how you're going to be able to use Titanicus and uh, Aeronautica models, but they're also discontinuing mm-hmm. all the Xenos uh, aerona- and a lot of the guard Aeronautica models because they aren't. They're basically pulling that entirely into Horus Heresy. But you know what? I'm I'm kind of fine with that. Let you know, Hor- Epic started out as Horus Heresy. Like that's oh, actually where Horus yeah. Heresy got its start. Yeah. yeah. So no, I get it. I just there's also a part of me that's like I would like to see Epic Tau models. You know, and I would love to see a Manta uh, that the I the Manta's you know, already actually, Epic. Right. I would love to like see a Manta that I could afford and like use on the, actually use in a game. And like you know, going back to like things like the squats, like land trains, and the stupid crazy things that they had, and you know the hey, the the really we cool, might get those in the future. The really cool, uh, you know, chaos demon engines and stuff like that that aren't really a part of the Horus Heresy. They're much more like modern 40k. Like that's the stuff that like excites me the most. Like it's cool to see the Titans, and it's cool to see you know the land raiders and squads of you know contemptors and stuff, but. I like seeing the big, like, crazy demon engines and demon Primarchs and stuff like that. So I, I hope that I mean, maybe they can – it's it succeeds and they expand it to the 40K as well. But it'll be a little while if they do. It'll be a while before they do that. There's, you know, they, like, we have no plans to do it at this time. Doesn't mean it won't be ever, but they're definitely focusing on Horus Heresy. But that also helps keep balanced. You know, everybody's kind of working yeah. off of the same thing. And I got to admit, it looks cool. Uh, the fact that they have Ursus Claws for the new Warhounds that they include in the box. Because all I can think yeah. of is, you know, that uh, world uh, world eater adjunct from the uh, Horus Heresy books. Fire the Ursus Claws! <laughs> <laughs> just makes me, makes me happy somewhere deep in my soul. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the look of the models. I, I am curious how much... Because they did say, like, this box, you... It isn't even considered like it's a starter set, but this wouldn't even be considered a full scale army for yeah. Legion Imperial. Like they want Imperialis to be big battles, and and it's not even going to play the same way as like the last version of Apocalypse. Like it's going to be. It sounds almost like uh, like Star Wars Armada, where like you issue unit or, like orders for units, and they're secret, and then they're revealed later. So this is going to be like it's a completely new system. So I'm very curious what this is going to play like. I mean, again, this is not technically 40K. It's 30K. But I love that they're doing a tiny scale. Because this tiny scale, the return of Epic is something people have wanted for a while now. So it is cool to see them lean into that. I can only hope that means eventually we'll get Battlefleet Gothic. 
because that's that's one I always mm-hmm. wanted to try out, but missed the window on that one by quite a bit. So, well, I think that pretty much wraps this up. This has been episode two hundred eighty-two. Uh, I'll be coming back from episode or for episode two hundred eighty-three. I'll be coming back from uh, Show Me Showdown, which is I think the first tenth edition super major. Like that and Tacoma, because I think Tacoma is happening that same weekend. I think so, yeah. Uh, US Open Tacoma. Yeah, it's the same weekend. So you're going to have Tacoma and Show Me Showdown happening the same weekend. So we'll get our first real super major events uh, for 10th edition. And it'll be interesting to see what the results are from that. And I'll be able to talk about eight games played. Hopefully seven of them will not be against (laughs) Eldari. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I died. <laughs> Just but, shoe inserts, lots of water. Sit down when you can. Yeah. Well, and I, I know that, like, at least you know, once I get past the 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 cut into the bottom half, I won't see Eldari ever again. So I can't play Eldari all weekend. I mean, so, I, I was just more could. on the, the physical side of surviving eight games. That's the oh yeah, part to me. yeah. <laughs> I'm curious if they'll do something, like, if they're going to have everybody play, like, all eight, or if they're going to do, like, the, hey, we'll do a cutoff at a certain point on Saturday, and then it's an RTT after that for anybody who's, like, in the lower halves, or if they'll bracket it. I don't know if they've, I don't think they've said one way or another, but uh, we'll, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, and at least I, I don't on, have to go On Show Me Showdown? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I looked at the website, and I think they said that they weren't doing any cutoff. Yeah, it's. Nice. I think it's just, it's eight rounds. Eight rounds of tournament the whole time, so good. Yep, but it's near where I live. Like it's literally just a you know about ten minutes drive from my house, so it'll it'll be <laughs> easy to get to, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And it'll be good people playing. Uh, so I'm I'm I'll be happy. I'll have a good time no matter what. So yeah. But I will be reporting from that. I imagine you'll have both like Dennis and Kevin. You'll have more games in Richard. You and I mm-hmm. may be able to get in a game in the next couple of weeks. So. Yeah, because yeah. I want to get my Voton at an RTT down here in Dallas. So I'll hopefully have three more, air quote, competitive Voton reports for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I won't, I, like I said, Escalation League's still going on. There is a tournament in August, but that's after Gen Con. So that's not even something I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Gen Con to prep for. Right. <laughs> But anyway, we will be back in a couple of weeks. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and get some games of 10th edition in. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. 
They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. 